Hello, I'm Tina Sederholm. Welcome to This Is Not Therapy, a podcast for people who like to find the marvellous in the mundane. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of This Is Not Therapy, which is called Making Friends With Gratitude. Gratitude! Yeah. Thank you, Neil. He's right, isn't he? When you get asked, what are you grateful for? It can set off all sorts of odd responses. For instance, I'm currently grateful for my downstairs loo because I'm sitting in it recording this episode. And I'm doing this because my neighbour is having a new shed put in and all the drilling is setting Bruce off, that's our new rescue dog, with a lot of barking. So he's in my office listening to a philosophy podcast, uh, which seems to help send him to sleep. It's actually quite an interesting one, but anyway, it's having the right effect on him or the desired effect on him anyway. I know what you're thinking. Tina, why don't you just wait until your neighbour's finished putting his shed up and maybe record this podcast intro tomorrow? And I'd say, you know, you're right. I could do that. But the thing is, it's the end of October and I must have this podcast finished by the 1st of November. Why so, Tina? I hear your brain saying. Well, I've got this thing about November. It's the time of year when I feel markedly less energy than any other time in the year. And if I force myself to start anything new or press on with a major project, it all basically goes to shit. So as much as is possible, I try to shut down in November, make it a sort of nothing time. I don't stop completely, but I don't do anything that has any creative heft. I mainly clear stuff up, do my accounts, tidy up some loose ends. Some years, the state of my bank account won't allow me to do that. So I push on through November usually fail at what I'm doing and then make myself ill in January and February. So now I try and organise things. So to the best of my ability, I can take November, if not off, just quietly. But it's not just a recovery time. What I find is if I really commit to this downtime where I'm not asking myself to dig deep at all for anything creative, if I give myself that peacefulness often the most wonderful ideas will pop out of that. I just have to be brave enough to wait for them to turn up. It's why this episode, Making Friends with Gratitude, is being recorded in the toilet. Luckily, I recorded the story a couple of days ago and the poem was recorded at the Edinburgh Fringe. I wonder, I wonder where I'm going to end up doing the outro. In the meantime... Let's make friends with gratitude. I've always disliked the word gratitude. Both scientists and spiritual teachers tell us that practising gratitude is one of the best ways to increase our well-being and levels of optimism. This, for me, brings on an existential wave of disappointment. Being told to be grateful instantly feels icky to me. It reminds me of being a little girl and having to say grace before a school lunch, even if it was a glutinous, foul-tasting stew. 
or told to say thank you for the gift of a yoke yellow itchy scarf that my grandma had knitted. Even though these associations were drilled hard and fast into my memory, I eventually became sick of feeling down in the beak and keen to try anything that would get me out of the sticky mulch of despondency, I gave in and began to write a list of 10 things I was grateful for every day. As with many of my projects, I started with the fervour of a hyper-obedient schoolgirl, reminiscent of the cloying do-goodiness of Jenny in Derry Girls. I aimed high, of course, searched for things I'd done in a day that were noteworthy achievements. I wasn't going to let myself be grateful for any old thing. I made this gratitude list making even harder by not only writing 10 things each day I was grateful for, but by insisting that they were 10 new original things each day. Like Wordle, once used, an item or experience could not appear on the list again. It wasn't long before writing my lists became an angst fueled duty-driven chore. I was almost ready to give up on about day 11, when I read a Buddhist definition of gratitude as a habit to be cultivated, irrespective of blessings or good fortune. Oh, so you mean I'm supposed to just find anything that I could be grateful for? Huh. Well, I suppose that means I could just list ordinary things then. Could I find gratitude for a spoon? Yes, actually. Because have you ever tried eating yogurt without one? When I blithely said at the beginning that scientists agree with spiritual teachers about the benefits of gratitude, I was thinking of Professors Emmons and McCulloch, who ran multiple experiments with groups of people writing gratitude lists and a control group of people writing nothing. And they found that the groups who wrote gratitude lists consistently felt greater levels of well-being and optimism. There were exceptions. Adolescence. Apparently, the ability to generate gratitude is a sign of emotional maturity. This spurred me on. After all, I don't want to think of myself as someone who is emotionally immature. Even though I was finding it hard to let go of the should element, I persevered because I was starting to feel spontaneous waves of gratitude rise up inside me several times a day. It's an extraordinarily good feeling. No wonder these people in the scientific studies reported a greater sense of well-being. By about day 20, it began to occur to me that gratitude is nothing more than noticing stuff but it begins on the inside. Gratitude is vapid when it's imposed from the outside. The should of it all ruins it. Your five-year-old might learn to say thank you with a Cupid's bow of a smile, but if she ain't feeling it, it's a learned behaviour, not an honest response. And do children need to be taught gratitude anyway? They notice stuff all the time. 
Have you ever watched a child's face when they see a firework display? Maybe that's what we need to encourage. The Buddha also said that cultivating gratitude causes us to realise how we are all interdependent. Noticing the good eventually means you notice how little you had to do with it being there. I can concur with this. For instance, I've never made spoons, but I have a lot of them. By day 57, it was beginning to dawn on me that thousands of helpers had been supporting me my entire life. Some of them I was aware of, but there were thousands more, human and otherwise. Unseen, unthanked, well, until I wrote this poem called How I Am Held. Take gravity. The perfect amount of push and pull to both keep my feet on the ground and allow them to bounce. And what about oxygen? Just floating around, waiting for me to take my next breath. How about roads? Once upon a time, someone laid the tarmac and even now occasionally fixes the potholes. Others built this cafe, this table, these chairs. Oh, and what about the pickers who harvested the tea being dropped into a pot for me? As for the inventor of the kettle, my hero. Never mind Edison and his team inventing light bulbs so I can read my book on this dull afternoon. I even feel a warm lick in my heart for the council or whoever maintains the drains so I can flush away my excrement with one push of a handle. And the men who clear fatbergs, I love you. It means the world to me that I don't have to don a heavy-duty rubber suit and breathing apparatus to scramble through slicks of shit and use tampons. And if I ever felt lonely, now is not the moment. I may be nothing more than a temporary nodule of muscle, bone and fat, but Tim Berners-Lee gave me the internet. Okay, not just me, but I have it whenever I want. Also almond croissants and the stars. So many unseen helpers nudged me towards this moment. I raise my cup to them and you, knowing this poem should never end, but presuming you get the point. May you also know how deeply loved you are. How many and how much offers itself to even you, my fellow temporary nodules of muscle, bone and fat stranded on this speck of a planet, spun weightless in an infinite universe. So that was Making Friends with Gratitude. Luckily, that shed went up in record time because I had left the toilet and decided that maybe I'd go outside to record the outro. But then it started raining which seemed to really speed the shed man up. So, you know, things always work out. So now I'm back in my office and all I have to contend with is a snoring dog. We're going to take a short break from making This Is Not Therapy, but we'll be back in late January. Have a happy end to 2022. And I hope you can keep finding the marvellous in those everyday mundane events. Bye for now. 
Hi, Tina again. Thanks for listening to This Is Not Therapy. All the books and resources mentioned in the podcast are listed in the show notes, where you can also sign up to my monthly newsletter. If you want to book me for a talk or show, or even buy a book, please go to www.tinasetterhome.com. And finally, don't forget to subscribe!